everyone, and welcome back to the Inside Education and Society podcast. Uh, when we talk about countries with great education environment, Germany is one of the countries that is mostly mentioned. Today, we're talking to Benedict Gottlieb from Germany, who is studying for his PhD degree in Tübingen University. And Ben and his colleagues are focusing on contextualizing this science education. So in this episode, you're going to hear about him sharing the background of this topic and how they're trying to reach this goal. So welcome to the show, Benedict. Yeah, thank you very much for your invitation, Jensen. Uh, just to start real quick, can you briefly talk about like how you got into this field of education and like what kind of topics you have been focusing on? Um, well, uh, in Germany, uh, normally, maybe I can describe that at the beginning, normally our high school teachers, they um, study two different subjects. So unlike in Taiwan, where, for example, a math teacher is only a math teacher, in Germany it's uh, more common that we teach two or even three subjects in order to let the schools be a little bit more flexible. And uh, what I did, I studied like the subjects of uh, math and physics and also Chinese. So actually, I spent a year in Taiwan as an exchange student. And after I finished my studies this year in summer, I um, decided to continue with a PhD study at the University of Tübingen because I didn't want to go to like teach at schools right away. I wanted to stay a bit in, in the field of research. So like for these um, people studying for their degree of teaching, what kind of stages do, do they usually reach? Like are they normally studying their master degree and then going to the school to teach or like they'll rightly stop at university degree? Um, well, in Germany, I think it's a bit different than in Taiwan. In Germany, you need to have a master's degree in order to uh, be able to work as a as a teacher at a public school. And this means usually five years of studying. So the first three years is a bachelor's degree and the additional two years is a master's degree. But the system is a bit different to Taiwan because for example, a math teacher in Taiwan, he is kind of like bachelor of science math degree. And that's a bit different because we have two subjects. We don't need a degree which is equivalent to a degree that a real mathematician has. So uh, we kind of do a bit of math and then do a bit of the other subject, for example. And um, this is what we do. And the degree we have is called like Bachelor of Education and Master of Education. But the Bachelor of Education is really useless because you need a Master of Education in order to be admitted at a public school. So it's like basically to make sure the teachers are professional enough to teach these subjects. Yeah, yeah, true. And uh, like after these five years of studying at university, uh, we have to continue like with doing two years of teacher's training, which is already paid, which is kind of paid very well. And after these two years of teacher's training, which you do at a specific school, you yeah, can apply for a job as a teacher and can become a civil servant afterwards. Great. And can you talk about the topics you are focusing right now um, as you're studying your PhD degree? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm working in the group that is um, focusing on physics didactics. So we 
kind of do research on how to teach physics best. And I think this is um, a much needed field of research because physics is, uh, according to some surveys, the most hated subject at schools. But at the same time, I guess, like the basic physics knowledge is like a very important knowledge that every student should gain from school. And what we focus on is, um, yeah, how to make teaching physics more attractive to students. And mm -hmm. maybe I can get a bit more into details here. What we do or what my research project is, we focus on um, electricity in the seventh or eighth grade. And this is actually the first time that students encounter like electric circuits and so on. And uh, the thing is that according to some recent studies, students don't really understand what is going on in an electric circuit and especially girls cannot really grasp the concepts behind it and yeah this is actually not good because this knowledge is not needed in our industrialized economy and uh, we are kind of working on concepts which make it easier for students especially for girls to get an idea of what is going on because the observation is that physics especially the topic of like electric circuit is is taught at schools in a way that doesn't really make it easy for these kids maybe age 13 or age 14 to to be interested in that and so we want to create a more attractive environment that makes it easier for students like to learn these basic concepts yeah it's um quite interesting that you mentioned that the electric topic is one of the most hated topic in their study and what do you think might cause this phenomenon um yeah i think there's maybe two different influences the first influence is that maybe students who are aged 13 or 14 they well they have other things to think about in their life i think physics is not their main priority and uh, when it comes to electricity the subjects it's not as easy to teach as as other um, parts in the physics education because um yeah in for example mechanics you can let a car drive and you can talk about velocity and so on but in electricity you cannot really see what is happening right you can yeah. just see the effects you can see uh, a bright light bulb but you cannot really see how these electrons move so in yeah. electricity, you can just do some measurements, but you don't really know what is happening. And that makes it a little abstract. And this makes it especially hard to grasp for students of this, of this age group. So based on these phenomena, what do you think might be some ways to make it easier for students to learn electricity? Yeah, um, I think there's two possibilities. and the first possibility is um, like from a bit more a technical point of view um, normally i don't know if we can or if we should go too much into detail here but normally uh, like all these school books and these traditional approaches they first teach you um, the current and afterwards they teach you voltage and like some recent studies show that it might be easier to teach you the concept of voltage first and then um, it's easier to see like voltage as the cause for any electric currents and this is maybe 
a thing which is helpful. But on the other hand, and this is what I am doing in my research uh, mm -hmm. project, uh, we kind of work on concepts which like contextualize these elements. So maybe I can give you an example. Yeah. Normally, if you look at a school book, you have lots of um, yeah very technical phrases and expressions, and you have some pictures which are not really appealing to uh, well students of this age. And um, for example, if you start to learn about an electric circuit, you should, for example, need um, like an element of your daily life that demonstrates how an electric circuit works. For example, if you want to make students know that an electric circuit needs to be closed in order to let um, the current flow, you should maybe come up with the example of a hotel room where you only have electricity, where you only can have light, where you only can switch on the TV if you um, put your card into the slot, the room card into the slot, which causes the uh, well, the electric circuit to be closed and then you can use the TV and you have light and so on. And yeah, I think examples like that, or for example, if you talk about electric fishes, or there's lots of uh, like contexts where, uh, or which you can use to demonstrate how these easy concepts work. There are lots of contexts that potentially make it easier for you to get an idea of what is going on. And when we talk about these um, contextualized teaching method, is it more specific on physics subject or is it on the whole general education environment? Well, that's a good question. Um, I, there are some um, studies and there is some research also in the like biology part and in the chemistry education. And I think, yeah, they, I think this, approach of contextualized um, teaching this approach uh, does exist in in the natural science and all the different disciplines of natural science but mm -hmm. uh, i think in physics the topics can be a little more abstract compared to for example chemistry or biology so i think in mm -hmm. physics is it's especially important to do research on like other ways to, yeah, to get students have a, a better grasp on the concept. Yeah, and have you encountered any difficulty while you were trying to solve this problem with this approach? Uh, well, I mean, I only started my, my PhD program uh, a month ago. So mm -hmm. what we're doing at the moment is we are trying to uh, do a first like edition of the school book that uses this contextualized ideas but of course we have to come up with results on a scientific basis so we have to find some some schools who want to take part in our research and then uh, like we have to set up a scientific environment with a treatment group and a control group and mm -hmm. um, yeah I cannot really say that I encountered difficulties so far because we didn't implement it now until yeah, now. But um, of course, we, we start our research next year. And um, 
well, in order to make it as scientific as possible, we first do some interviews with, with single students and we want to see first how these students kind of accept these contexts. We first want to know like if they can at all grasp the physical idea behind it. And after we finished that first round of like acceptance interviews, we start the like big study with like maybe 20 to 30 classes. And then we have some, we have some like questionnaires uh, which are filled in by the control group and the treatment group. And then we can compare by the results whether using these materials which are contextualized might have an effect on the, yeah, on the knowledge of the students. Since on this show we emphasize like the interaction between education and the society, when it comes to this idea, what do you think the whole society think about these contextualizing education topics? For example, how do the schools, how do the teachers, how, how do even the parents think on this topic? Well, I don't think there's a broad discussion about it right now, um, mm -hmm. especially at the moment, if you uh, listen to the news and if you look at what are uh, people talking about in the context of education, now everything is about um, how to deal with the corona crisis. At the moment, everything is talking about should we do more homeschooling or should we maybe half the classes in order to allow more distances within a classroom. So this is the topic everyone is talking about at the moment. And well, um, but on the other hand, I think we have to maybe go back to 2000 when the first PISA study was done and Germany was very bad. And we actually have a term which is called PISA shock because <laughs> Germany had, had a very bad performance back in 2000, especially in natural science. And afterwards, there were lots of approaches how to improve our science education. And um, I think like doing the physics education a bit more contextualized is just one of lots of potential ways to do like reforms on our science education. And like when it comes to physics, I wonder that since Germany is known for its uh, vocational education and also its industry, like when we talk about German education system, everyone mentioned these systems. So do you think there are any connection between this topic and the whole German education system? Well, the, this question is also hard to answer because I think we do research on a very specific approach and mm -hmm. it's quite hard um, to, to draw a connection between the specific topic we do research on and the, like yeah. the society. But okay. um, yeah, I think cool. we can all agree on that. Mm -hmm. that knowledge in physics is very important especially for us as an like export oriented country with lots of industry and yeah this is definitely true and i noticed uh, one thing you you mentioned when we when you talk about like students perform especially worse on electric topic you said girls perform even worse than boys when we talk about like difference of academic performances among genders um can you give us some 
some more concrete examples, maybe on physics. So, I've, but um, apart from these differences in, in high school final certificates, I think this is not true for every subject, of course, because uh, if you look at how many girls are studying physics in Germany and how many boys are studying physics, it's still maybe 75 to 25% in favor of the boys. So um, although the girls do better in high school on average, that doesn't mean that they, uh, yeah, that they select their fields of studies evenly to the boys. Yeah, I think, I think the thing is um, the school has to find a way to make physics education also attractive for girls. Are you working on specifically making girls more willing to learn these physics topics? Well, I mean, we, we select lots of different contexts and of course the contexts need to be based on a, on a like scientific selection. So the mm -hmm. thing is we need to find contexts that are also appealing for girls. Because mm -hmm. if we only have contexts um, like which have a technical background, then these topics might be yeah only appealing for boys. So we need to make sure that we have like an environment that is also appealing to girls. What kind of topics might be more appealing to girls than to boys? Well, there have been some studies on that, and normally the the results of these studies are that girls are interested in everything connected to the human body. For example, girls are interested in topics like fitness. Yeah, lots of girls at the age of 13 or 14, they, they follow uh, like fitness channels or they follow something that has to do with fitness on Instagram. So everything that has to do with the human body or with fitness is an example of like a context that is appealing to girls. How do you think we can connect this with physics, uh, uh, physics education? I mean, it's, it's of course not easy to, to find a connection between like a specific topic and um, like a specific interest. But um, for example, I mean, okay, I, I want to give you a very specific example. Girls uh, usually spend lots of time in the bathroom and girls normally have very long hair and they spend lots of time using a hairdryer. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And for example, as a context, you could use the example of uh, a girl that goes to the US and uses its German hairdryer in the US. And in, in the USA, the girl maybe notices, oh, um, the hairdryer is not really working. Yeah, it's not working as before in Germany. And why is that? Mm -hmm. And of course, this is because there's a different voltage in the US than in Germany. Yeah. I think the fact that you have like a girl with a hairdryer and maybe some Instagram post in a school book on the first page, and then you maybe have like some experiences that a girl potentially did before, then this context might be more appealing to girls than uh, the fact that you only had like scientific drawings on a, in a school book. I see. And to some countries or like to some cultures, for example, to an Asian country such as Taiwan, the differences of performances between maybe boys and girls, normally we think it comes from the whole society structure. For example, you mentioned that uh, some to some topics or to some 
scenarios, they're more appealing to girls. They think it's actually not so good that if we apply these scenarios to make one of the genders more interested in a specific topic, and it might actually make these differences stronger. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Um. Well, in the in the material that we are working on, our aim is just to make sure that we not only have like elements in it, contexts in it that only favor one of the different subjects. So we, we don't want to enlarge the gender gaps. The only thing is, is that we want to make sure that our approach um, is not only an approach that only boys benefit from, we also want the girls benefit from our approach. And I mean, the thing is we cannot change the society at least not, well, uh, in like within five or 10 years. I mean, we all know that there are these uh, differences in society and this applies for the Taiwanese society and this also applies uh, for the German society. We cannot really change the society. We cannot really change the way that boys, boys and girls are treated differently in households. And we just have to, well, take this as a condition for the work we are, we are doing. And um, well, this is why we kind of want to ensure that we have elements that are appealing to boys and elements that are appealing to girls because if we only had like context with a kind of technical background then maybe the boys will really like it and the boys will get more interested and the boys might have a better performance and the girls not so we kind of want to make sure that they that we have a balanced selection mm -hmm. of contents within our physics education yeah i think it's very important and um, do the teachers from different subjects cooperate with each other on this topic? Well, I think uh, we have to differentiate in Germany between teachers like who do their jobs and maybe do their jobs very well and teachers who are really interested in like kind of scientific findings. And maybe there are teachers who are more interested in like uh, recent scientific findings and maybe they also coordinate between like the different disciplines but I think that question is hard to answer because I think the majority of teachers um, well does a great job and is really um, like putting very much effort into giving good like classes but I think the majority of teachers maybe they don't really have the time resources to think of or to follow scientific researches. Do you think it might be a an approach to try to reach this goal? Well, I think it, it's of course it's it's always hard to convince teachers of like of a concept which is different to the concept they have been using for twenty years. So uh, this is why we at the University of Tübingen, if we have a draft for a new concept where you want to make it sure on a scientific basis with scientific evidence that this really works so we don't just like we don't just like come up with this concept and say to teachers okay we have worked on a new concept and maybe you could try that the thing we want to do is like we want to come up with a new concept and then do first research on whether it's working at the first place or not and this is why we that a project like the project that i do needs three years because we need to have like big treatment group big control group 
and we need to make sure that it works and if the result in the end it is that it doesn't really work that like the use of context cannot really help students to have a better knowledge of the topic afterwards then yeah then we kind of have an, have evidence that it might be not that useful to use these contexts so i think the important thing is that also the universities they do proper research on what they do and then if the research is done and if it's successful they can convince teachers and say okay like we had so many participants in our studies and um, this is what we found and this may makes it easier to persuade teachers that they maybe could change like the traditional way of teaching they used to do before yeah i'm glad you brought this up because like it's kind of um, linked to the last question i would ask every guest on my show if you're asked to pick one thing to share with the people who care about these uh education or society issues around the world um, what would it be i think what i want to share applies to lots of industrialized countries maybe even more to asian countries and this is in germany if you go to university if you meet these students maybe age 18 age 19 and if you follow their performance in universities so some do really well and some um yeah really need the academic input that you have in university but in lots of cases you very easily start thinking about hmm, maybe this student has a great personality but um the academic environment is not really what he or she needs and he or she maybe uh, would have a better life if he or she maybe finished school at the age of 16 and then would have done like a proper apprenticeship at a maybe car company or whatever company and learn something very substantial instead of um, instead of not being successful at all in the academic world and I think especially in Germany if you if you finish school at 16 if you don't like do everything until the abitur until our final certificate well you can earn very good like money if you like finish school at 16 then go to a big company or go to even to a small company and learn something very substantial and have your own income starting at the age of 16 you have a head start to everyone who goes to university and um, in the end if you if you work for a company maybe for five years and you feel you still need some education you are a bit more mature now and now it's time for you to to go to university you still have the possibility to to redo your uh, final certificate from school and then uh, go to university and so i think if i would be a teacher or when i will be a teacher in the future i think it's very important to well to motivate children that there are lots of different ways to have a successful life and it's not always the academic way that ensures that you have a successful life and i think this is yeah very important and is true for lots of industrialized countries yeah that's definitely a very very important point that the children know what they're they are really pursuing great thank you for sharing all these great insights with us
and I find this topic very interesting. And also, like, there are still a lot of different more stuff that can be discussed, actually. And I hope everything goes well on your future uh, physics education research. Okay, thank you very much. So, thanks to Benedict for joining our show. And don't forget to subscribe to us from wherever you get the podcast. Please join us next time as we discuss more about education and society topics around the world.